1: For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Join more of the things you
0: love with TCL. Hockey. Yeah. yeah. My favorite, it's
1: Judd's Hockey Show.
0: Clearly, he's a wonderful skater. Um, but he hadn't pushed it like he did tonight. He had another gear. Um you know he's got a fast gear anyway, but uh, but he stepped it up, and uh, you know it was great to, to for him to get rewarded with that one first, and then uh, what a what a great play obviously to Carrill and uh, yeah he he was real good all night. And welcome into a one-timer edition that means short and sweet Judd's Hockey Show. It's Zolgad, it's Declan Goff, Dean Everson, wild coach, talking about the uh, game that Marcus Johansson had, improving Declan so very wrong about his hockey skill in last night's 5-3, or or, what have been uh, Thursday night's 5-3 wild victory at XL Energy Center over the Kings to break their two-game losing streak. Uh, Dex, let's just rip the Band-Aid off, just like Marcus Foligno did last night. Let's rip the Band-Aid right off this damn show and start with this. All right. And I have uh, tweeted about this myself. I have talked about it on an evening, Judd. So I'm going to defer to you to start. Okay. What were your thoughts when the puck dropped last night? And as soon as the puck dropped, Marcus Foligno engaged big Curtis McDermott, a defenseman for the Kings. So they were not lined up side by side. Right. In what clearly was a fight that had been planned at some point in time. Because I don't think you just arbitrarily uh, say, you know what, let's, uh, I hate you, let's fight. So anyway, what were your thoughts about what I thought was a stage fight?
1: I mean, I think it's pretty silly. Um, It'd be one thing. If something happened that transpired in the previous game that warranted a fight or warranted some type of disagreement, but it really didn't seem like that. It just seemed like Felino made eye contact with McDermott, maybe something was said in warm ups I don't know, and then you just drop the puck and then within two seconds, there's your first whistle, and you got two guys throwing haymakers at each other. I don't know like. It- It'd be one thing if if the crowd was there, I could maybe see some signs of it. I know you have a much more poignant stance than I do on it, but it just doesn't seem necessary. Is kind of what, how I look at it.
0: Yeah, and if you make eye contact and decide that you're going to fight when there was no really previous thing to fight about, then to me, that's staged. That that's uh, We're both going to try to give our teams a jolt. And I'll address this, Declan, and I think this is the most important thing that I've been trying to convey from my side. Um, I'll address this from the wild point of view, okay? It's a 56-game season. You're eight games in. There are four playoff spots. There are no, don't tell me there's dog days, right? Like, we're not in game 62. Oh, boy, it's the dog days of the season. The old daubers down. How can I get my team up, okay? You, if you, after losing back-to-back home games, and they, I don't, with fans or without fans, they are home games, to San Jose and the Kings. One team's awful, and I think one team is rebounding a little bit. I I don't hate the Kings, but they're still not there yet, right? If you need Marcus Foligno to engage in a fight at the faceoff to get your team up, something's wrong with your team. That's right. Like, there's just no question about it. And that's that's the necessary step. Look, if you're a Wild fan and you want to say it gave him a jolt, or a broadcaster, and you want to say it gave him a jolt, that's fine. But then admit to me that something's wrong with him. There's no way that you should need a jolt. You just lost consecutive games. So you're telling me that your team is so basically brain dead that unless Marcus Foligno or someone else engages in what is a stage fight, that there's a chance that they're going to lose a third consecutive game. That means you're not a playoff team. I agree. Like, right there. You're just done. Just
1: go home. I I don't care what you do. And, look, I thought Drew Doughty's comments at the end of the game, look, more things transpired after that bout um, with the Kevin Kevin Fiala hit we're going to get into. And and Dumba's shot, which was definitely not a malicious act. It was just an unfortunate coincidence. But the tripping, too. There's tripping calls. There was penalties called. um, There was a lot of stuff. And Drew Doughty said there's going to be lots of bad blood this season. And even though we don't look at Minnesota as a rival historically, if this is where we're going, that okay, yeah. is—you're damn right—it's going to be a rivalry. Well,
0: but that's and that's fine. And look, I—I I am willing to engage in a discussion about spontaneous fights. Like I am not, Mister Anti. Now, I do think that for a league that tries to pay a certain amount of lip service to um, concussions and stuff, that the look of fighting is bad. Sure, but I am more than willing to go down the path of if Marcus Foligno is defending a teammate during the course. Of a game and spontaneously fights. Yeah, I I'm not going to say that that can't be part of the game and that that's disgusting. Okay, but what I'm saying is, if to start a game three seconds in you have to have your guy fight to get up for that game, sure, then you got problems. Then you are not mature. Then you don't know. I'm and you know it's a fifty-six game season. You're eight games in. Correct. What the hell is going to happen when you're thirty-two games? Got to have Felino go fight again. Yeah, no kidding. And the other problem with that one is y- you've got the problem of potentially the instigator being called, and now you are uh, shorthanded to start a game. So anyway, I just thought that it's absurd to make the case that that was a key to the game and then not make the case that that the Wild shouldn't be absolutely criticized.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you. Okay.
0: Um, and we'll, we'll get to this one, too. But before Fiala was involved in that uh, unfortunate hit that got him a five-minute boarding call and a game misconduct, and today, uh, as we talk on Friday at uh, approximately one p.m., we still have not heard what the supplemental discipline might be if there is going to be more against Kevin Fiala. What did you think of the new lines, and were you um, were you at all uh, happy to see? And I thought a sidebar storyline to what they did what Dean did by juggling the lines. I really liked the move of Nico Sturm to third line center and then bumping Rask to fourth line wing. Yeah. That, that gets Rask a step closer, I think to the panel, to the uh, press box. Yeah. And it also rewards Sturm who I would, I would far rather see Nico Sturm get, get a chance than continue down the path of, well, we've got Rask. So let's, you know, for this shift, he's going to be fourth line. Now he's going to be first line. I like that one. I thought that that was a good idea.
1: I liked it, too. Um, honestly, and look, I've been Marcus Johansson's number one fan, obviously, through these mm. first number uh, games. Like I get the new hat. Number one guy, me, Marcus, jo- uh, Declan Goff with Marcus Johansson. Got your name right, Marcus. Hope you like that, too. Um, I thought the line juggling was fantastic. I thought Nick Bukestead had a very strong game. Kevin Fiala, uh, although, unfortunately, got ran out of the building after a dangerous hit. Um, I, you can see his confidence start to soar up a little bit after a, a, a disgruntled Tuesday evening loss to the Kings. And yes, I think moving Rask to the wing, wing was a pretty strong move. Look, Nico Sturm uh, is, honestly might be a, one of the unsung heroes so far of the season. He's done noticeably good things when he's been on the ice. And of course, I mean, the, the we're burying the lead here, but Joel Eriksson continuing to move up and scoring goals. And I don't, you know, I, I told you, that I wanted to see him take the next step, and I thought he could take the next step, and that goals are going to start coming for him. Now, he's not scoring, as they like to say, goal scorers goals. Hey. I don't give a bleep. No. It's a goal. The goal counts as the same as Ovi from his circle or or Joel Eriksonek falling in front of the blue paint jamming one home, just like Zach Preezy does too. So, honestly, I know line juggling, We all we, we love to talk about it. It's a fun one. Uh, hockey writers and beat writers love to kind of just make it a big thing. Fans love to know all about them, but I think it's just a fun topic, just like reckless speculation. And I think in general, what the Lions were able to do last night, I thought everyone top to bottom had a very strong game. I don't think really anyone had a poor game yesterday, at least offensively for the wild. Did Rask? He was, he was unnoticeable. <laughs> I have no and idea if fine. Rask did. Unnoticeable and that's fine. Eric Seneck
0: works his ass off. And I love that. He works his butt off. He might not It, it might not be a, a um, sexy style of play. I don't care. Don't care. Now, I did see with uh, Fiala having been ejected, I did see in the third period decks, the lines had gone back to, of course, mm-hmm. Ericssonek Eck with Greenway on his left, Foligno on his right. So we were back to that third line. Uh, Bukested then was the center for Parisi on the left and Kaprizov instead of Fiala on the right because that line started as Buksted, Parisi, Fiala. Um, we had Sturm with uh, Rask on the left and Hartman on the right. And then Benino with Johansson. And then they, they double-shifted Kaprizov a bit. Sure. So I, I don't know when the uh, Wild plays on Saturday night against the Avs at the X if is going to be suspended or not or where he's going to play. Uh, but I definitely think that Erickson Eck has earned a promotion to play with Kaprizov. I think it's a good idea. I'm going to be very disappointed if we go away from that. I just think he is your, again, I think he is easily your best center going. And I don't see a case, like, Bukestad works hard, and I like him, um, and I do think he brings something, but I don't think that he's as good as Eck is. And so if I am Dean, I go back for the Avs game. And keep in mind, too, you're playing against a really High octane team with a top line that's great. I go back to at least get giving Caril the best chance I think possible, and that's Eck. And hate to say it, or I don't, but Johansson on that left wing and that pass he made to of showed us something, right? Like that's there. I have no idea if we're going to see it on a consistent basis. Now I have absolutely no no clue. I'm not convinced that we are, but if. Johansson can make plays like that, and he's got a decent shot, Dex. Um, and you can put that line together with Eck and Kaprizov. I think you should. I really do. And I know I know Greenway and Felino and Eck are good together. And I know that they work <laughs> hard. And I know that Dean Everson loves them. But I'm talking about giving yourself the best chance to win. And and relying on Greenway, Felino and Eck, to me, look, if you had a center or two above Eck, go for it. I lo- I love it, but you don't.
1: Well, and and the reason he goes back to, you know, the Eck, Felino and Greenway line towards the end of the third period is the Wild have a lead, and you're not playing prevent defense, but, I mean, you got a lead, and you should be comfortable and shut them down, and let's go home and, and win this game in the next 20 minutes. So I, I can see why he did that at the third, but in general, I think putting Eck above and giving him more of a significant role was huge. He's earned that right, too, by the way. It's not like he's stumbling uh, upon these goals. I think there's a, a good case to be made that he's getting the goals that he should have been getting for a long time now. Sure. And, if, and if this is the goals he scores, that's fine. Like, I, I you know, we've, we've been comparing him and we've been ragging on him, or fans have, I should say, for the longest time because he went right before Brock Besser. And Brock Besser obviously is a more dynamic and sexy player than Joel Erickson Eck is. We all can agree on that still. Uh, but if he is truly going to take this next step and be a top six center, well, then all of a sudden, that first-round pick doesn't look too bad. No, you know, that's he, true. And, 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 that's and he true. doesn't have, again, he doesn't have Go to be Brock No kidding. Go Chuck Fletcher. So, I think Eck moving up was big. Marcus Johansson, look, yes, I'm glad. He had a really good game. I'm happy for him. He finally woke up for the first time in like three years. Good for him, Marcus. And I, I'm not I'm not biting the apple. I'm not taking it. Taking it to town with me. I want to see it over a longer stretch. But I'm totally okay with Especially, too, after that first shift where he completely blows a four-on-one breakaway makes up for it by scoring a goal on the very next play what was was he pass?
0: well he was trying to pass to Spurgeon who is a right shot but he waited too long like the play wasn't going to work no it was never going to work right uh okay here's the one thing I I will say that I think I saw in Johansson last night and I don't necessarily think that this is a good thing but I think it's a hockey thing and th- those of us who have watched the wild for a long time have seen it a thousand times before. Did you get the impression that Johansson was far more engaged because he was playing with guys with more talent? The Capri, the Sov thing to me, he fe- it felt like Marcus was engaged. Like that—that's the starting point for the game that he played. It felt like there was enga- an engagement to the game. He has shifts where I think he loses interest totally and last night when he was on that line to start with it did not seem like he was like he was in a funk of okay and look that i'll say this that's the difference when you put a guy who's got some skill with uh kaprizov guess what happens you're gonna have good things
1: exactly and that's where, and that,
0: and that's why. But that's why this guy, that's why ninety-seven should never, in my opinion, be with like sort of just workman-like guys. No,
1: never. that's um, a worker.
0: I but, think X a worker, but I think he's above where where Nick is.
1: Yeah, I would like to see him stay with. I mean, X their best center right now, and you're so short. You're so short-staffed on centers that at least half de- or at least decent ones. That that's why you have to double shift guys. That's why X getting back on the third line per, per, per se with Greenway. You know that that that's where the Wild are at right now. Until they actually acquire another center, and if that's a you know game changing bona fide top line center, we'll wait and see. If that's just someone who is a average NHL center that that has offensive upside, then that's going to make this lineup a hell of a lot better. And I also think over the last three games, Nick Buke said has played a lot better. Um, I think he's mm-hmm. been noticeable in a good way. Uh, that those are good things. And th- that you know I know some fans ragged on the helmet penalty, but like dude, you got to keep your helmet on. And they're, they're going to make a big case about that? The NHL did that oh, no, last that, season? that was – they actually said – because
0: I thought the same exact thing. They actually said in the ruling of the penalty that he had put his hand on the puck in the face-off circle. Did he? But his helmet did fall off. Yeah. And I think it was the second time in the game last night that it came off. It was
1: like – no, it was back-to-back shifts that it came okay, off. Okay, and I thought the
0: same thing. Yeah. But they announced that it was for they, – they felt that he had put his hand on the puck uh, and tried to control the puck. Okay. And if you go back and watch it, he really didn't. Right. Like, he fell. Yeah. And I think he's, like, pawing around. Right uh, but I'm with you, and I like what he brings, and this could be a great find. But again, he's a bottom six guy.
1: Yeah, mostly is. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. The one thing, it's small, but the one thing that I loved last night, or one thing that I thought was great, and this proves, and, and I think we talked about this on Judd's hockey show, maybe on Wednesday, about Kaprizov, the hit he threw on Austin Wagner in open ice. It's a small thing, right? But again. It shows. This kid is 23. He's strong. Like, he's not a weak kid. Um, Highly skilled, but he plays a multidimensional game that I can't tell you how important I think it is in this league now. Because you don't have to be a goon now, right? You don't have to fight. Who cares about that? But the fact that he is strong enough, can defend himself, can throw an open ice hit that leaves a guy basically on the ice it just continues to show how much of a, a complete game this kid has and I just think it's so important because this is a guy who I think is going to get to the playoffs things like that and be prepared to
1: play absolutely yeah his his game is totally all there I know we all knew that he had a howitzer of a shot and that he scored a lot of goals in the KHL and that's all great you know we've, we've Players have come over here and, and they haven't succeeded before, but I think we all knew that he was going to be able to score goals. But I think what's the most impressive part is his two way game, his skating. He's not afraid to use his body. You know, a lot of these guys that are just goal scorers like that aren't are, are going to be afraid to use their bodies. And, and, and look, he's six foot, but he's like 190 pounds and it's a bigger six foot. No, he's stocky. He's thick. That's, he's humongous.
0: That's a perfect term. He's stocky.
1: Yeah. He's not, he's not just small. I mean, if you, if you stood him up next to lanky me at all. and he was wearing baggier clothes, you might not think he you know, was a, a, as, as powerful as he is. But when you watch him on the ice, you can tell he's damn dynamic. Absolutely. And, yeah, he's been, he's been everything the wild hope, hope for. And it, it's, it proves the point that please get a true number one center or a top six center so this kid can actually thrive. I never thought I'd time. say this. Keep him with Marcus Johansson, too. I guess yeah, on Wednesday I, just, I didn't think I'd say that, but I'm saying it now. If you can, st- Billy, if, I know you're listening, big fan of Judd's talk show. If you can still flip him, do it, man. I, I'm not gonna be any. Last as, night no actually upset.
0: is a step towards doing it. Absolutely. What are you talking
1: about? Absolutely, I'm for it.
0: Okay, your your thoughts on the uh, second period? Kevin Fiala hit on Matt Roy, the uh, um, Kings defenseman, who fortunately, after going headfirst in the boards, got up because that was a scary hit. Um, the Department of National Hockey League Player Safety is having a hearing today as we speak right now, I believe. So we don't know uh, if Fiala is going to get a suspension. My guess is he might get a game, might get two, uh, which is going to be a big deal when you're about to start four games against the Avs the first really good team that you're going to face during the course of this season. But your thoughts on what was an incredibly, I thought, scary play. Yeah. And and how much, and I, I think we both agree, Fiala is not a dirty player. No. But that being said, how much onus do you put on him for what was a dangerous dangerous play
1: yeah he's at fault there um he's at complete fault uh th- th- there's no really way getting around that one when you're when your back is turned you're going into the boards that's a defenseless player it's, that's literally the definition of, of boarding like it, that is a textbook boarding call and i i know that the the argument or people the the thing that people would try to argue is that like what is he he's just supposed to slow I've, down he's just supposed to I've give him a gap he's just supposed to not go after him or go after the puck yep unfortunately yes unfortunately that is what he is supposed to do yeah and i know it, like, look, no, you're right. it's hard to say in the heat of the moment when you when when, a, when it's a fast game like hockey and it's going up and down the ice to tell a dude to slow down i know but look he's defenseless he uses his stick even to like I, this is probably going to be, I, I think, at least a two-game suspension. Mm. Luckily, it's fifty-six games. If This is an eighty-two-game season. I think you're looking at a five or six gamer. And I don't know if and you got say,
0: four against the abs, man. So you're t- talking about those first two against the abs. He'd be out.
1: The issue too is, I think what Wild fans will be worried about is, does the league want to make an example of this? That's what you should be scared of. If the league is going to make an example of this, then it, then it, that's where the harsh criticism could come down. Doesn't mean it's right, but the, I could see a scenario where the NHL says. We have to stop these kind of plays, so we are going to give you a six-game suspension, even no. in a truncated season. I don't think that happens. Judge, I think but, you're right. I think it's one or two games. It's probably two games and a hefty fine. Um, but these are the type of calls, mm. just like just like the helmet rule. That's, you know, we talked about that last year when that came into place. They're going to do everything they can to make an example face off two years ago, right? Like, there's always something that the NHL is going to put an emphasis on going in, and I don't I don't think boarding was one of those things that they looked at or or even warned us about. Because usually, honestly, they do warn you about like. Hey, we're going to look at face-off yeah. hey, this year. Hey, we're going to look at high six this year. Points of emphasis. So I don't think they're going to make an example of them, but I, I'm just saying, keep, bear in mind, I wouldn't be surprised the NHL did that.
0: It, it was a terrible play b- because Fiala didn't stop, which I- is a problem. Roy was in that really, and it was really weird. Uh, ordinarily, Hockey players especially pros decks mm-hmm. don't get aren't in the place that Roy was because he he was he wasn't close enough to the boards to just allow the boards to absorb his body like it, like the majority of plays like that uh, players know how to position themselves exactly where to stop so that if they do get hit they their their body goes into the boards but it's the whole body instead of just like the head right or they don't fall forward. Which is the scariest thing possible, because it's at that point in time that you're concerned about paralysis and is the guy going to get get up, which thank God Roy did um Fiala went into the boards after him weird i don't feel i don't think fiala Fiala went through the play too fast, unfortunately, and I don't think Fiala judged how it was going to unfold, and so he just kept going, and when Roy stopped Roy because he, he was, unfortunately, far enough away from the corner boards, he pitched in head first. All of that being said, I think you're right. I, I don't think the league is going to care. I think the league is going to, to say this is the exact type of hit that, God forbid, next time a guy's paralyzed. Exactly. And so so Fiala is not a dirty player. I don't think that there was a real intent there. I mean, he was trying to play hard. But I don't think that there there was some weird intent. I just think it unfolded oddly, and I don't think anything I said matters that much.
1: No, it doesn't. Yeah, they're going to be without them. and It's, it's kind of too bad. It would be nice if you could pick and choose your suspensions. Like I would, if, if you When you play the Ducks next, Kevin, can you just set out those two games? You know, It would be nice if you could if you go in that in that, in that route. But,
0: Last thing. Yes, sir. Um, Saturday and Sunday, you got the Avs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I believe Tuesday and Thursday, you got the Avs again. Uh, at Colorado. It used to be Pepsi Center. I think it's now Ball Arena or something. Anyway, four consecutive games against the ABS without Fiala. What do you think? Keeping Oof. in mind, keeping in mind, this is, no matter what you think, the first time that the Wild is going to actually play a good team.
1: Yeah, this, well, yeah, that's, that's why it's so unfortunate. They're going to be most likely without Kevin Fiala for probably at least two of those games. Um, I'm excited to see what happens here. Uh, you know, they they played the cupcakes so far of of the the of the West Division. So you'd like to have all your best boys out there and and hopefully go for to make a statement against on one of the best teams who are a favorite to win the Stanley Cup. But I'm interested. The, the abs are fast, you know, and the Wild have good defense. Look, Kapo and Cam Talbot have been phenomenal. I've had zero issue with goaltending.
0: You know what you're right about Kapo. Good for Kapo too. Yes. The one thing about Cam be, being out is it's been a blessing. It's confirming that Kapo can play.
1: Yes, he can. You absolutely which we can thought. Which we, we thought so. Which we did think. Yep, you, uh, this show was all on the Kapo bandwagon. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to see how they play against a very fast and highly skilled team. I'm very curious. I, I think the Wild can combat that. I think uh, it's very honestly a little remnant of 2003 where they don't have the superstars to match toe-to-toe, but can they match them up? Can Kaprizov, or can, can Joel eriksson match up with guys like Landeskog? You know, can they slow them down? I'm curious to see if that works. But they're they're now their hands full, and we're gonna see if this is will the real wild stand up basically. Without
0: Fiala, though, it would be it's, it's gonna be very, very difficult. That's um I will say this. If Dino is going to put Eck, Greenway, and Felino together uh, to try and play against that first line, the McKinnon line, and you're gonna hate this. But I will end with this and get your thoughts. If you're going to do that, so if Eck is going to be, if you basically say the Eck line can st- is the one line that can stop this line or can mm-hmm. have success, yeah. I think you have to strongly consider putting Kaprizov with Johansson and Johansson at center. No. Yep. Cause no. He can, cause he can God, make, no. Because he can make, so, who, who are you going to put there? Bukestad again?
1: Yes. It's a waste of time. I, I, no, it's a waste of time to try Johansson out, who's been a disaster for the majority of the season But this
0: bu- But Johansson against good teams is going to have ability to make some plays. Oh, I, I and, think Johansson gets exposed. And Bukestad's, good a, Bukestad's, Bukestad's truly a wing. He's not really a center. I, He's truly a wing.
1: I disagree. And I think I,
0: Johansson, I, I at least think, look, it's a. I don't like it. And I would put Eck, to be clear, I would put Eck, with Kaprizov,
1: yeah, one hundred percent.
0: But I don't. Yeah. But I. But he. But dude, he is. You could tell he likes the old reliable. It's it's the it's the blanket. It's the comfort blanket. He's got his, <laughs> his comp- blanket. It's the third line is his blanket. Yeah. Oh, but I feel good when they're out there together. Well, so do I. But he's your best center. He's not your third line center. I'm just telling you that I think if that you get that line to shut down and you put <clears throat> the last thing. So Bukestad, Kaprizov, Parisi. Okay, Parisi and Bukestad. I think both work hard. Prezi's a better player than Bukestead, but I think they both work hard. But they're not really highly skilled guys. i got to put Kaprizov with a guy that could set him up consistently. I mean, we saw it last night. Johansson made that great pass to him. That's a beautiful goal. Like, Kaprizov, that should not have been Kaprizov's second goal. Right. And, oh, the power play's awful. Yeah, it's, no, on, it's awful. It's got two for 34 now, yeah. is that right?
1: Yeah, they, there's there's nothing. I the won. Dallas
0: Stars have something like ten power, nine power play goals in like four games. And by the way,
1: those jerseys are awesome. Don't listen. To
0: they're them awful there. jerseys. Why do you think they're good? They're
1: great. They look. They like look like human X. highlighters.
0: They're like the. They're like the Timberwolves Saturday Night specials that are just terrible. Break it down. They're DX, not, They're awful.
1: I love them. I love them. I love them. I'm All not right. talking anymore.
0: Bakers, fresh for everyone this holiday season peloton's got a gift for you get up to 200 dollars off accessories with the purchase of a peloton bike bike plus or tread and take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells a heart rate monitor cycling shoes and more peloton motivation that moves you this limited time offer ends december 25th visit onepeloton.com to learn more